We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Well, the first thing you need to do is assume positive intentions. Most people aren't doing things to be spiteful or because they don't want to or I'm not going to do that. I assume positive intentions. And that's a ton of administrator resources. These relationships that you build, like yours and mine and mine and Scott and the principals online, are valuable relationships that just filter. I just filter what's going to work in my environment. I would put my kids in any of these classrooms in this building... Hello and welcome back to part two of the interview with Melinda Miller. I hope you're excited for this one because Melinda is amazing and I'm so excited that you have the opportunity to listen to her. In this episode, you're going to learn about how she approaches teachers who need to be corrected using what she calls positive intentions, which is a brilliant method. She's going to talk about how she gets great people to come to her school and how she balances her personality and leadership style with that of her teachers. Uh, she talks a little bit about adaptive schools training, Pinterest, Twitter, Boxer, a bunch of other neat things. And this is a great episode. Transformative Principle is now on Stitcher Radio. If you use Stitcher Radio, go ahead and download our show on there. If you don't use Stitcher Radio, you can feel free to give it a shot. It's pretty nice. I've started using it a little bit and I think I like it a lot. However it is that you listen to the transformative principle, I hope that you will find some time to subscribe to it and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash transformative principle. Also on Twitter, you can follow me at Jethro Jones. You're welcome to send me feedback to Jethro Jones at gmail.com. And I would also appreciate it if you would rate this podcast on Stitcher Radio and on iTunes 
outlet and tell all your friends about how great it is to learn from these amazing principles. I'd like to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast this week. It is creativesforeducation.com. Have you ever noticed that teachers are really great at teaching our students but don't have the time or the training to create beautiful things? creativesforeducation.com does that for you. As an educator, you can sign up for a free account, request the designer create a project for you, give them some guidelines and tips, and then within about a week, they'll get something back to you that looks amazing. Go to creativesforeducation.com, click on the design requests, and you'll be able to look at some of the things that have already been done. Then sign up for a free account and start making beautiful things for your students. That's creativesforeducation.com or creatives, the number four, edu.com. What do those conversations look like when you tell someone that they need to, uh, to step it up a notch. How do you, how do you approach those situations? Well, the first thing you need is need to do is assume positive intentions. Most people aren't doing things to be spiteful or because they don't want to, or I'm not going to do that. I assume positive intentions. I taught, they forgot they needed help. Hey, can I help you with this? I noticed that this isn't done yet. What do you need from me to be able to complete this task? So I think if in your mind you always think you err on the side of it's a positive mistake and it's teachers are busy, good grief. It's right. They have so much to keep track of. If there's a teacher that, and I don't have this, I really don't have this at my building, that's conniving or backstabbing or doing something to defeat the cause, I address that head on, but I still address it in a way that I, are you aware that this is how this comes across? Are you aware that, because maybe they don't know, maybe they have, nobody's told them, maybe they've never been told. If you're a new principal in a new building, don't assume that anybody has corrected this person Mm -hmm. or helped this person. They need guidance. They need that help. So my conversations, I think, start with um, assuming positive intentions and going from there. But something, this is kind of tricky. I like face-to-face. So if I want to address something, I like to address it face-to-face. I don't know if anybody else has found this, but sometimes I address it face-to-face and it doesn't get better right away. So I, I never was a fan of emailing criticism or emailing mm-hmm. correction, but if I've said it face-to-face once, maybe even twice, the next thing is going to be an email that says, per our conversation on such and such a date, I need to see this happen. Thank you for your attention. It's still a positive, you know, comment, but boy, and then it's, then I see, I hate that. I don't like to do that. And I wish it wasn't that way, but for whatever reason, I can go to a person and have this conversation and not see a change, but an email follow-up, boom, I see the change. That's really interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about how you 
the turnover that you've had at your school and how you get great people to come to your school? I think I have the same turnover that other people have. Um, I have young teachers, and I think my biggest turnover issue is teachers that have babies and stay home. Mm -hmm. So who can fault that, really? Um, I think that the grade level at whatever district you are that's the testing grade level, whether in our state it's third and fourth grade, Mm -hmm. um, I have some great third and fourth grade teachers. Some of them have moved on to a departmentalized environment at an intermediate or a middle school because it's overwhelming. Um, I I probably have two to three positions open each year. I've had to transfer a teacher to another building because our class sizes weren't big enough. Another building in the district had an influx of kindergartners and they and I had smaller numbers, so I had to move someone for that. Um, I'm trying to think. I just don't have, I have teachers, female teachers, husbands who get transferred. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I, I'm sure people have left disgruntled and I just don't know that. <laughs> and I may never know that, but really it's just probably the same as in, I've almost hired every teacher in my building. I think I have five or six that I haven't hired that were either hired. I started my, I got hired the Thursday before principal contracts started on Monday when I first started here. So there were some teachers that were hired that summer by who was here before me. And then I started hiring 10 years ago. So, Mm -hmm. but I, I mean, there, I haven't, if I didn't want them here, they wouldn't be here. So they're just fine. I think that, they're, they do a great job. I mean, they put up with me, and I'm a quick start, so I'm throwing new things out there all the time. So bless their hearts. They just, you know, they're staying around for me. So have you talked to your teachers about that quick start personality of yours and how they how they can deal with that? What What are the things that you've said to help them understand how to how to deal with your different personality style from maybe some other principals they may have had? Well, that's a good point. Years ago, I shared a personality trait quiz that we did for a leadership academy that I was in, and all of the principals had a personality profile done. And so I shared that with them, but that was years ago. We're surveyed every year, like our superintendent sends a survey on us, and I share the results with my staff. So when I get my survey results back, good or bad, Mm -hmm. I'll, I break it up and I'll say, these are my strengths according to you. And these are my weaknesses. These are what you see that I need to work on. And so I think two years in two years in a row or every year, I don't even know. I get rated low on listening. I don't listen to them. They don't think I listen to them. Mm -hmm. So The first year, of course, I was mortified and you take this stuff personally. I don't care who you are, but you take it personally. So of course, you know, I go home and I'm hysterical and upset about that. But so then I ask them, all right, actually I put somebody in my building to hold me accountable. Okay. Help me out here. Tell me when you think I'm not listening. What does this mean? Because there wasn't a definition. Do I not listen to them at all? Is it? 
when it comes to a certain thing, is it somebody gave me a tip and I didn't use their tip. So I had somebody in the building hold me accountable. Well, then they still rated me low the next year on listening. And I'm like, oh, for Pete's sake. So then I think I put into place, oh, we went through adaptive schools training. And the whole training process helps everybody get to know each other's learning styles. And it's just a whole um, different way of running things. So I think the next thing I did was... Please be specific in your answer. If I don't listen or I'm unorganized, be specific so I know where to to fix that. And so I think we're now at the point where this next survey, if they say I don't listen, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going <laughs> to tell them I'm not listening to you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, we get surveyed. So that's how I get feedback from my teachers is the survey. Gotcha. Um, so one of the other things I want to talk to you about was how you, um, how you use Twitter and, uh, other social media to learn for your, for yourself, um, how to be a better principal and then talk a little bit about how you use that for yourself. And then also how you, how you try to teach others through that, because that's one of the things that you're really good at is teaching others how you're doing things in your school so that other people can know as well. Oh gosh, I can never talk eloquently about this because this is something that I'm passionate about and I'll be all over the place in this. We'll take explanation. it. <laughs> but I started Twitter back in 2007, I think. Like, I'm a Twitter grandparent, according to Spike Cook. Um, and not as many people were on there. And, you know, I had close connections with people who have a gazillion followers now. I had close connections with them back then. And I still do. I can call out to those people I feel and say something, or I need your help, or say hello, and get a response back from those people. So it wasn't as big as it is now. It seems like everybody has a lot of followers, and it's hard to keep up with everybody, mm -hmm. and I don't, I kind of sit back and watch some of that happen on Twitter. I am not a philosopher. That philosophical bantering isn't doesn't work for me. I, that when they get on there and they start talking about philosophy, that's not my strength. I have philosophies, but saying them eloquently is not my strength. If something is dumb, I just call that out. That's just a dumb idea. I can't eloquently say. I, I don't think I've ever heard you say something is a dumb idea. Come on. <laughs> well, yes. And no, I think some of my teachers have heard that. Um, in a, in a funny way, not in a bad way, but I am on Twitter. The ideas originally for, were for my gain. Oh my gosh. I want to try that. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Lately. I've been trying to, whenever I favorite something or I um, retweet something. I'm trying to think, oh, can I put this in my memo for my teachers? Can I share this with my teachers? So a different lens, how can Twitter help my teachers? So I'm telling them, I found this on Twitter. I found this on Twitter. I found this on Twitter. So a lot of them have finally joined Twitter, mm -hmm. some active, some not. And then I will 
include them in a tweet. And I know they get notifications on their phone. So then they immediately check what's she doing or saying about us today to the whole mm-hmm. world. Right. So they check that out. Um, then I've used, they love Pinterest. Teachers love Pinterest. You can either beat, a, jo- beat them or join them. It doesn't matter, but they love Pinterest. So we all follow each other on Pinterest. We're doing a Charlotte's Web book club. So I started a Charlotte's Web Pinterest board and invited all of my teachers. And so they can pin to that board. Um, I include some blogs in my memo, links to different blogs and say, oh, I love this teacher. I wish I could talk like her. I think you would like her. And I share that with them to read. And some of them can relate. Um, I love to connect with forward thinking people that have just great ideas. The One of my new finds is uh, principals cannot talk about some things on Twitter. Teachers can put some things on there that are controversial or have a discussion or say their administrator is crazy and no one will be the wiser. As a principal, I can't talk about teacher things. I can't talk about that on principal. So um, Jessica Johnson invited me to a Voxer chat. Uh-huh. So I have a Voxer group of principals that it's just like a voicemail. And I can just, last night I put out a topic, hey, what do you guys think about retention? Because that's going to start coming up with kindergartners and first graders. Do you believe in retention? Do you retain? So it was so interesting to hear five or six other principals' views on retention in a safe way. Twitter, you can't necessarily as a principal call that out. Right. Yeah. That that's a really good point. Um, I had an experience that I'll share just real quick when I was a teacher that I was on Twitter and I had made a disparaging comment about one of my classes and they knew who you could tell who it was because we had a fire drill that day. And it wasn't the worst thing that I could ever say, but it wasn't very smart to say it. And somehow one of my kids saw it. And at the time I had uh, on the side of my blog, I had my Twitter updates and I told my kids to go to my blog often and to my website often. And so one of them saw it that night while they were with their parents getting some homework or something from my blog. And they came back the next day and they and everybody else in the class was really mad And they were just worse than they had been before when I made the bad comments. And I knew there was something going on that they weren't telling me about. And finally, one kid said, why did you talk bad about us on Twitter? And I was like, what are you talking about? You don't even know what Twitter is. (laughs) And sure enough, they had seen it and gotten upset and told everybody else. And I realized then a very important lesson that I can't be negative about anybody that may ever see those things because not that I want to anyway, but no matter what the kids or the teachers or the parents or whoever are eventually going to see that. And that's going to come back and bite you. And so having a, a safe place to be able to work out ideas and thoughts, especially on something as important and as big a deal as retention, I think that's, that's an awesome strategy to use. And I'm, I, I like that use of Voxer. I've I've used Voxer before, but it has never been very meaningful for me because I probably haven't been able to have those kinds of discussions with people. But that sounds like a great, safe 
way to say the things that you need to say. That's, that's really awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Well, I hope that works for you too. <laughs> I have had an, I have had a couple of experiences where I've put something on, I think just Twitter, I think maybe three times. Mm-hmm. Once I put something that I, oh, I said something about title, like title, like you get title money. And I made some comment like, I wish I had title money or I wish that because my school does didn't get that at the time. And these people that got title money got these resources. Oh my gosh. People were like, so you're saying this and you're, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> I just want the $25,000 you just got. <laughs> right. I wasn't thinking of all the things that go along with that. I apologize. So I had to defend myself, but luckily that was way back in the early days of Twitter. Mm-hmm. If I would have said that today, holy cow. Another time I took a picture of a document and put something like, really? That's like, really? And someone took it as something against them. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I have this, I'm talking to this audience. I'm not talking to you. I had no idea that they would take that personally. And then I think last night I deleted a tweet. I put something, it was late and me and some principals were on there. I'm like, oh, I should not have put that on there. And it wasn't (laughs) even bad. But I thought, okay, this person's going to read into that and think that I was saying something. So I just, I'm like, ah, that's not what that's about to me. So I, so yes, you have to be careful in today's world. Yes, you do. That is for sure. So at the end of each interview, I ask principals two questions. And um, the first question is, what is one thing that a principal can do today to start becoming a transformative principal like you are? getting connected with other principals, start connecting now. Like you, as an assistant, here we are having this conversation, or on Twitter, you're following them, reading blogs. Um, there's the connected principals there, and the, it's the hashtag, I think, CP chat. Mm-hmm. There's, and that's a ton of administrator resources. So getting connected and finding those principals that are pretty regular bloggers, um, seeking that stuff out. So connect with some principals, even if you're an assistant, even if you're an intern, you can Google connected principals. You can Google principal blogs. You can Google print principal chats, be assertive in finding as much information as you can. And how do you determine what is good information versus bad information? (laughs) It's just personal for me. (laughs) I just, I start, I don't know, even people that I admire will write stuff and I'm like, yeah, I don't agree with that. And I just turn it off or that's not going to work for me. That's not the dynamic I've developed. That's not the dynamic that I've built. Um, yeah, that principal's been out of the school for five years doing something else. They can't relate to what I'm dealing with right now. It just filter. I just filter what's going to work in my environment. That that's perfect. That's exactly what I was hoping you would say, because sometimes we think that you have to be, um, you have to have a ton of research to back up every single idea. And when we're talking about big initiatives for kids and anything that we're doing to help kids, we want to have as much research as possible. But at the same time, we can just choose what sounds good and what what will work for our situation. And and I think that's important for us to 
remember in our data heavy world that we're in right now. So thank you for, for saying that and reminding us how important it is to use your head and make the right decisions. Um, the other question is what is something I know you redecorated recently and had a great blog post about how beautiful your office is now. Um, what is uh, something that is in your office that is either inspiring or a source of determination, something that helps you that's in your office that most other people probably don't have in their office. Oh my word. I, uh, the most inspiring thing in my office is, I mean, is pictures of my kids. <laughs> okay. I that's mean, good. a lot of people have pictures of their kids, but if I look around this room, I mean, I love my curtains that you can see in the background. You and I can see here, but as far as, oh, and I just realized my coat is just sitting there. Um, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> okay. Um, my kids, you, because that's what this is about. This is about kids. And my kids are actually here now at my school. So cool. it makes a little bit of a difference when you have your kids in your building. And I, I do not, I would put my kids in any of these classrooms in this building, um, I just think, is it, would it be okay for my kids? If it were Allison or Cassidy, what would I think? What would I do if it were either of those? So even though their pictures are behind me, all I have to do is turn around and see that and just think, oh, and just remember they're here and they love, do they love school? Do they love being at Willard East? Of course they love being here because of me, but do they love Willard East? Is it, is it something like nighttime events? Do they want to come back? Do they, is this their home? Are they comfortable mm -hmm. here? That's great. That's, that's really awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, is there anything else that you want to say before we sign off? Oh gosh, no, thank you for inviting me. I'm just thrilled. I'm sorry that it took us so long. <laughs> that's the reason why Scott and I really kind of phased out. He actually did get a different job, but it was so hard for us with young kids yep. to do this and the time change. So he was always um, an hour behind me and I was fighting it some nights to stay up or whatever. I'd have a sick kid. He'd have a sick kid. We just felt like we were doing our listeners a disservice because we were not very consistent, but we had so much fun. And that these relationships that you build, like yours and mine and mine and Scott and the principals online, are valuable relationships. Absolutely. And I know some people think it's hokey, but I have some really good relationships with people that I've never met face-to-face, -face, but I could call you, I could send you an email, and help. we could help each other just at the drop of a hat. So... That's just really valuable. So connecting and understanding there is value in these relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Really hope you enjoyed that interview with Melinda. She has been inspiring me for years, and I am so grateful that I was able to finally talk with her one-on-one. -on -one and learn from her directly. She is definitely a transformative principal. Be sure this week to check out our sponsor, creatives4edu.com. 
rate us on Stitcher Radio and on iTunes. And make sure you tell your friends about what you're learning on Transformative Principle. Next week, look forward to an episode where I interview Eric Schenninger, who is the principal at New Milford High School in New Jersey. He is NMHS underscore principal on Twitter. Make sure you follow him and hear all the great things that he's doing. We're going to be talking a little bit about his book that he just wrote about digital leadership. And it's an awesome interview. In the meantime, be sure you spend the week becoming a transformative principal. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.